אחשוורוש, הוא אחשוורוש. המלך מהודו ועד כוש, שבע ועשרים ומאה מדינה. So it was in the days of Achashverosh. He is Achashverosh who reigned from Hodu to Kush, India to this place named Kush. 27, 20, and 100 states. Okay? So any questions, anything pop up into your head when you read this first Pasuk? Forget anything you've ever learned? What, what questions pop up into our heads? 127, sorry. Oh, okay, so that number 127 pops up as like, oh, we've heard that before. Like, well, what's the significance of 127? Awesome, so that's one question, good. Okay, so I think it's interesting that it says, and then it says, like, if we're saying, we already know that it's in the days of Right, exactly. So that's, I, I think, another great question. What? What's uh, Take out those words. Who Achashverosh is kind of, what is there, another Achashverosh that uh, we didn't want to get confused about? So, um, so that's, a, that's an interesting uh, question slash insight. Yeah, awesome. Any, anything else come to mind? Questions? Thoughts? Questions online. Questions online, perfect. Let's see. Well, it seemed that he had a really big empire, that extension. Mm-hmm. From Hodu to where is? Kush. Kush, okay. So actually it's Machlokas in the Gemara. I would say the shot is that a lot of places, 127 places. And another explanation that he only ruled over close places, but I don't know how they fit 127 nations to those two, two close places. It's a good kasha on that Gemara, but I think Pashup shot the whole world. Is, is, it an, it's, is it a natural order in this kind of more poetic Hebrew to say Sheva It's, it's not terribly surprising. Okay. I mean, we, we found it many, 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 many other times. So it's not so uh, crazy, but that 127 is a prime number. Like, it, you know, it's a unique number. Yeah. According to my professor in Bar-Ilan, it represents like a perfect, like, shlemut type of thing. That was his shot about uh, Esther, Esther being perfect. I mean, I mean, Sarah, 127 years is like a perfect number, and 127 is like a, an act of completion, because um, I'll, I'll pee his derech. Okay, that's interesting. So, good. So let's start with uh, your first insight about the uh, connection between Esther, about Sarah living 127, and Esther living 100, and ruling over 127 places. Yeah. So the Gemara tells the story of Rabbi Akiva. He saw his students were dozing off, right. and he said, no, 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 wake up. What's the connection between 127 of Sarah and 127? Of Achashverosh or Esther connected to Achashverosh, Makesher, and um, no, I don't know if that was his question. That was the answer. But what's, where else have we seen 127? He connected these 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 two. So uh, the Chidushi Arin is a beautiful idea. He says that in the merit of 127 perfect years of Sarah, right? Because is a famous Rashi that said she lived her life perfectly. So in the merit of that, those 127 years, Esther ended up being able to reign over the 127 countries. Oh. So he was secretly saying, stop dozing off during class. Make use of every single moment of your life because you never know. Even a one, you know, Sarah's life ended up hundreds of years later being uh, Yeshua for the Jewish people. And in that, you know, we were able to save the whole world. Is there any source that uh, Esther was a Gilgula of Sarah? 
Never heard of that? I've never heard it, but okay. when Parrots comes down here, he's like, he's the, the man to ask about questions like that. I have no idea. But uh, who knows? But that's the connection with Sarah and Esther's the... Uh, that's that's one question, but I definitely wanted to open it up and say, are there any other connections that we can meet between Sarah and Esther? Because I feel like there's something deeper. They're both women. They're both women. There we go. Yeah, they're sharp. Okay. <laughs> what else? They're both pretty women. They're both beautiful women. Right, okay. two of the seven, right? Yeah, of the seven beautiful women, the Gemara says. Nachon. Beautiful women. They kind of dated their uncle, sort of. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of. Interesting. Mordechai, maybe. Yeah, some right. you know, relationship according to Chazal and also Avram Sarah. Okay, fascinating. So that's interesting. Um, maybe as we continue learning, we'll see deeper connections, more connections. So, they both oh. got kidnapped. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. They got, kind of got swooped in by the kings of the world because of their beauty. So that's fascinating. They, um, how, Esther had children at what age? Uh, really? Oh. Um, it seems, according to Chazal, that she had Koresh, I think, or Darius. I get confused. But either way, um, we don't know the ages. Okay. Not necessarily at an, at an old age. I don't okay. know if that connection necessarily fits. Um... You know, it's interesting because almost like I could say a contrast in that Esther kind of ends in a sad way that she gets stuck with Ahasuerus. Right. Whereas at least Sarah doesn't get abducted by Pharaoh and gets to go with uh, with, with Avram. So that's that's interesting. Um, and one interesting, another note is that Sarah, what does her name mean? Sarai. She's the queen over the whole world. She's a Sar. Over the whole world. She was Sarah and then she became Sarai. Sarai and then she became Sarah. But either way, it means she was a queen over the world, just like Esther was a queen over the whole world. Mm. Um, so. Well, lots of, lots of um, places. Lots of. Provinces? 127. Yeah. Not necessarily a whole world. Okay, a lot of them. Correct, correct. But a whole bunch. So, Rabbi Foreman has a little bit of a, a Torah video about this particular topic. You can check it out over there. But we're I just... Knew, I knew you were on Sir Rabbi Foreman yeah. once I heard all of the, con, all of the connections. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> the truth is, I was into the connections even before mm-hmm. I was into Foreman, but now that I'm, you know, oh, yeah. all the more so. An all of the, a, a dedicated oh. all of the, some Awesome, yeah. <laughs> of course. About this. So we definitely will reference him. He has a lot of interesting insights. Um, and a lot of this also from my professor, Dr. Berman, who wrote a great book which we're going to definitely mention here and there. Uh, but, not, you know, I don't always necessarily want to come out with an answer. We don't always have to. They, they do have answers as to what but it's okay. Just leave it as it's interesting. There's a, there's, there's, there's a connection with Esther and Akashverosh, and, and um, we'll leave it at that. Okay? Um, also, on a shot level, Vayehi Bimei, this book, Mendel Weinbach, points out that, um, that, that there's... Four other times that Vayihi Bimei is used in Tanakh. And I think the Gemara specifically points out that Vayihi Bimei is always a sad thing. And you see that on a shot level. So I'll give a few examples. Vayihi Bimei Amraphel. Remember the, 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 the war of the four kings versus the five kings? The first, that war between, was all in the days of Amraphel. There's even Kabbalistic connections between Amraphel, between the, the four nations and Persia and the Gullus and all that. But on the simple level, there was a war, so that's sad. I'm trying to remember. 
in the days of Yirmiyahu, was the beginning of the story of the destruction of the first base of Megdash, I believe. So that's certainly a sad one. And in the days of Rut, when there was a famine in the land of Israel. So all sad occasions. And so probably not Stam that the Gemara says, Vayihi is a Lushan of woe, of oi. Oi, oi, mamish. That these are sad days in the, uh, in the days of Achashverosh, um, who reigned during this time period. Um, what else can I just point out? One, le- one more I- I- historical note. So Achashverosh is only mentioned one other place in Tanakh. You guys ever happen to have learned this? Where else is Achashverosh mentioned? And it's actually a crucial detail. Daniel seems to be like downloading it. It's it's a toughie. It's in Ezra. In es- Ezra, it changes the, the the way we spell it, but it's in the story when the Jewish people come back to Israel and are rebuilding the, the base of Migdash and everything, and then um, ah, this Achashverosh guy stops the building. Okay, so he doesn't come out a happy, uh, a great character in that story. Okay? And certainly Chazal don't have ni- nice things to say about Achashverosh. Maybe that's partially where they get it from. But if this is the same Achashverosh, um, who I think historically is known as Xerxes, X, X-E-R-X-E-S, something like that, yeah? So then it turns out that it, it's a huge Chiddush because what time period is this whole thing happening at? The time of Shivatzion, the time of the Jewish people are supposed to be going back to the land of Israel and rebuilding Beit Migdash. But instead, what are they doing? Chilling with Achashverosh in the palace and, and being nene from the Suda of Otoa Russia. Right? So it actually comes out that a, a careful reading gives us the context that we need, which is basically what Chazal are constantly referencing, that this is the time when the Jewish people should have been in Eretz Israel, in Yerushalayim, rebuilding Yerushalayim, and instead they're stuck in exile for, for some strange reason. Okay, so there's a, I think that's a really important insight that my uh, professor pointed out. Yeah, you, you with me, Chaim? We good? Same guy, he, he stopped the building of the base of Migdash. This is what, that shows that this story is happening in the time when Jews were starting to come back and rebuild the base of Migdash, but for some reason these Jews decided not to come back to Yerushalayim and rebuild the base of Megdash. Hashem had his, his, his party because he, he figured the seven years. Exactly. So that Maimar of Chazal, that he's celebrating the destruction of the Beitam, of, of Nebuchadnezzar and, 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 uh, of Migdash, and the original destruction of the base of Megdash, is very much rooted in the Psuki. That's That story is the backdrop in Megillus Esther's, in particular in the first parak, and we're going to keep our eyes out for more hidden references to that story, not just in Chazal, but in the Pshat itself. Okay? As to a bigger question, which is, okay, so why wouldn't they just say that explicitly? Why didn't Esther just say, okay, you know, this is happening, you know, we're going to find all sorts of hints and, and remes is remazim, but why doesn't Esther, who wrote Miguel's Esther, just write explicitly that this is all Hashverosh's fault and 
because the Jews didn't, uh, you know, go and rebuild the Beit Hamikdash. I already gave a hint. So why, why wouldn't they just say it explicitly? Maybe because Esther is hidden. Because Esther is hidden. First of all, that's the, that's a, on a hashkafic level. That's the the, the 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 idea behind the whole safer that Akash Baruch is is hidden, and so. So yeah. they don't want to do like Mo, like Moses. They don't want to make the Jews look bad. Exactly, she's in the palace. So she can't really speak badly about Ahasuerush and, and make it seem like, oh, it's a terrible thing to be in Persia because this book is being read, read by the people of her time period. So they suggest even as it's a suggestion, but it's an interesting suggestion, that that's, uh, that's uh, maybe why there's so many hidden allusions and not just, you know, explicitly said. But uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Toi. Chodu ad kush, any other... Questions, thoughts, ideas on this one pasuk before we move on? I just mentioned one more thing that Achashvesh, according to the Gemara in Megillah, is also one of the opinions is he's the Ach of the Rosh. He's the brother of Nebuchadnezzar, which means that not literally that they're brothers, but that they Mamish uh, were Rishayim. Who Achashvesh? Oh, I forgot to mention this, right? Your question. Who Achashvesh? Remember by Yosef, we say who Yosef, it's like the same Yosef through and through. That he never changed, even though he was like uh, greatest uh, in the greatest places. So Hashverosh, he's a Russia. Even though he married Esther, he still was a Russia. His whole don't be fooled that he's just a uh, you know a silly guy. He actually is the brother of Nebuchadnezzar in that he was in maybe not as in such explicit way, but um, trying to uh, assimilate the Jewish people and celebrating the structure of the base of Megdash. And he's a Russia. At least according to Chazal, he's not. He's not, he's, 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 he doesn't come out of tzaddik, even if you, though on a simple level, we don't see him as badly. But in the backdrop, he, Chazal don't like him at all. He's, he's, a, he's a bad guy. What's the word that Amegila starts with? Vayehi bimei rosh. And it was. So Vayehi usually has a thing for good, no? No, that's Vehaya. Oh. Vehaya is always, almost always happy, and the Gemara says Vayehi is always sad, and then it says, well, not always, but Vayehi bimei. Is always. So it's a sad situation. And, and, and the Gemara asks, uh, I have to mention, the Gemara asks, why, what was it that made the people of that generation ra'ui for punishment? Why was it that... Because uh, they celebrated, they thought that the Beit HaMittosh was a good Because they were nene from Oto Suda. They, they, ate, they ate from that meal uh, of that Russia. Which, um, which, you know, many explanations, well, it's kosher food. No, but they were celebrating the structure of the base of Migdash. So even if it was kosher food, but how could you do such a thing? Then the Gemara says, but what about the people outside of Shushan who weren't at the party? So the Gemara says, ah, but they had bowed in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. So it also makes the link between Nebuchadnezzar and, uh, and Ahasuerus. So it's right, yeah. I think it was Shimon Bar Yochai asked that question. Smart guy. Didn't it, didn't the meal wasn't there something where they made the men and women like cross each other? They had to walk in front of each other or something like that. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's uh, why there were separate meals and what was the nature of the suda. I have to figure out if there are any. Uh, we're going to look for links between the pshat and the, and these drushes of chazal. <coughs> Sounds good. Okay. Let's do another pasuk or two. I'll, I'll uh, read. Bayamim ha'hem keshevet ha'melech. Achashverosh al kisei malchuto asher b'shushan habira. In those days, as the king sat, the king Achashverosh sat on the throne of his kingdom. 
which was in uh, Shushan Habira. Okay, so as the king's hat on his throne in Shushan, the capital city. Okay, so any insights, questions? Always start, good to start with any questions come to mind. Could be there are no questions, but... Um. I mean, it might be overly medayek, but when it says by Mikhaim, why does it have to say that? Why doesn't it say like Hamelech Yashav? Like I don't know. Like, right. Well, there's something special about that time period of by Mikhaim specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, the truth is, if I were reading this, I also wouldn't have any questions. Pretty makes sense. But there are a lot of cool, cool insights that I have to point out to you guys. So first off. This Al-Kise Malchuto only appears in one other place in Tanakh. Okay, so there's a hyperlink here to another place. Where is the other place? We saw, heard of Al-Kise Malchuto by Shlomo HaMelech. He also had a special throne. Okay, so now that brings you back to the Mimer of Chazal, which we all learned when we were little kids, that Achashverosh Want, made a model of the throne of Shlomo HaMelech. And it was too heavy to move. It was too heavy, so he left it, and they, moved, they, moved, they moved the palace because it was too heavy. He wants to be like Shlomo HaMelech. So that's fascinating. That In the Pshad, there's already a, a connection to that. Um, and this one is super-duper cool. Both of these Rabbi uh, Professor... Um, I'm forgetting, but my professor in Barilan uh, taught me. Um, he says... Shushan Habira, your Habira. So we're, you would think that it comes to Shushan Habira, but actually this is the only, there's only one other place in Tanakh where this phrase of Ir Habira, the, cent, the capital city, comes up. Can you guess? What is the capital city besides four? Um, Shushan. Think President Trump. Not to get into politics. <laughs> so Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim Ir Habira, Yerushalayim a few times in Tanakh it's called Ir Habira, but never any other city, only Shushan. Okay, and so that's so crazy that Dafka, the, the the story is calling it Ir Habira, Shushan Habira, again a, a subtle allusion to the fact that maybe the people had made uh, Shushan the new Yerushalayim. That they, 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 in their heads, had, had disconnected, become so disconnected from Yerushalayim that they thought that Chushan was the new capital. Right? It was a different capital before, because the throne was made outside. No, the Midrash says just like that. They made it into Chushan. I don't remember. But I'm, I am familiar with that Midrash. Um, also, super cool, the halacha reflects this. I, I love this, that we know that everyone on Purim, on the all-walled cities, are supposed to keep it on the 15th day and everyone else on the 14th day. So logically, it should be walled city from the time of Mordechai, i.e. because it, in Shushan it was a walled city. Mm -hmm. But instead, the halacha switches it and we say when, when is the time when we're supposed to... Yeshua Benun. Yeshua Benun. So the, pshat, the question is, well, not Kesher. What does Yeshua Benun have to do with Yeshua is way before all of this. What does Yeshua Benun have to do with anything? So the, uh, the Mishnah Bruin, everyone explains, and Rashi explains in the Gemara, that it's to give kavod to Yerushalayim, to give kavod to Eretz Yisrael. We don't want it would be uncovetic 
to talk about Shushan Ibira and not, not Yerushalayim. So you see what's happening here? It's a, it's a tikkun. They didn't have respect for Yerushalayim Yerushalayim. So we go out of our way and twist the lachat in such a way that only Yerushalayim is special and is on like a platform. Oh, but we've also got um, Joshua. What's that place? Where, where was Joshua? Uh, so now, there, now there's a lot of places where there's a suffix, whether it was uh, it was walled in the times of Yeshua ben Nun. So we give we give kavod to Eretz Yisrael, only the special kavod to Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the only place that we know we mamish. Uh, yeah, that's the link with Joshua. Here it Yeah, it's linked to Joshua. But why should the Allah have anything to do with Yeshua in the first place? We're talking about Miguel's Esther. Why Jerusalem and not uh, Jericho? Right, exactly. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that the whole point is that they didn't res- they didn't come and rebuild Yerushalayim. Velachen, we have this. Uh, we're doing the tikkun spiritually through halacha. We're coming and giving special cover to Yerushalayim through Miguel Sass. Sounds good. Amazing. Okay, um, one more thing I'll point out. Here it calls him Melech Achashverosh, and the other pasuk calls him Achashverosh. So we'll, we'll keep note of that. It's interesting. Some of the mafarshim um, of this book say, well, we wanted to disrespect Achashverosh because he's a fool, so we call him Achashverosh, not Melech. But here we do call him a Melech. Interesting. There, there's also something about the different kinds of rulers. I'm not, I'm not remembering exactly where it was like if it's referred to by this name, that's what Right. Saying. So Melech, Stam, HaMelech, Chazal say, refers to Hashem. Uh-huh. But a melech, a chashverosh refers to. Okay, there's some, there something about like a ruler who like wanted control over the country. A hamolech, versus a someone who was like, le, like ruled for the people. Or, like the right. different molech and a moshe, I believe is okay. is what you're referring to. Uh-huh. Something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do one more pasuk. We'll call it night. Sounds good. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. Um, sorry about that. I'll bring Moshe back. Sorry. Okay, last pasuk for the night. Bishnat shalosh lemalcho asa mishdeh lechoshara In the third year of his kingship, he made a party for his sarav, like Sarah, pretty cool, for his ministers. Vavadav chel paras madayu apart mi masarei medinot levanav. How do we translate that? The army of Persia and Media, the nobles and officials of the provinces being. Being um, being there. Okay. So on the third year, I made a big party. Okay. Any questions come up? Was there icing? Good question. Any other questions? Why the third year? Um, why the third year? Mapitom, what's, what's special about the third year? That was the question that came up in my head. Any other things come up? I was going to say, like, why both Sarava Abadab? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And but also, why Lefanav? Why Hamedinot Lefanav? Why not just Hamedinot? Mm, good question. Yeah. Why before? Like the so relationship of the Medinot. Right. The Nova being present. Yeah. So, I don't know the, the answer to any of these questions. Although, there is a suggestion about the third year that something happened in the third year where he wanted to show his... Um, he wanted to show his power. He wanted to show off. He wanted to show his glory. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was any specific, if it, what the specific suggestions were. Uh, was that when he made the calculation? Right. That was the seventh. That happened to be the seventieth year uh, to the exile of uh, the Jewish people from the land, and so that's why they were celebrating. That's certainly one explanation. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe a third year is when something it's like solid and like you can like go show it off. Yeah, something like that. All right, one more pasuk. When he was showing off his riches and his honors and the Yikar Tiferet Gdula and the precious, beautiful things, many days, 180 days. Okay? Wow. 180 days of, of, uh, of partying. Okay? So what do we, what do we think about that? What, what's the Pusik trying to have? Push up shot. What's the Pusik trying to push, show off by saying it was a 180 day party and riches and. It was very rich. It was a good party. It was a big party. Why is he doing this? What, on the Pusik, why, why, why is he making a I huge party? It seems party? like to celebrate his own rule. Yeah. It seems to me like he's showing off either, like Chazal say, he's showing off the base of Migdash, showing off the Gadim of the base of Migdash, the food from Eric Tisrael, according to one opinion. Or on a different level, he's showing off because he's insecure. I don't know if those two explanations um, disagree with each other. A, a secure person doesn't need to show off, right? But the fact that he's going out of his way to make this huge party at Osher Machoto Yukarteferet is a way of showing maybe the, the in, a, in a subtle type of way Esther is mocking Achashverosh that he has to do this crazy party for 180 days, um, which is the sign of someone that. You know, if if you don't have anything inside, so you show it all off on the outside. But uh, I think that's a, a great place to stop. Bezorat Hashem.